There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie and I'm joined by Billy T, Rosa and Tom. Ash, sadly for us, is as we speak, jetting off from this cursed aisle, but he will be back next week, um, live and direct from Los Angeles, which is very exciting. Um, right, firstly, thank you all very much uh, for the kind words in our Gary Mabbott special episode. Um, Gary is a complete mensch and proved once again he's football's loveliest man. Um, he set a very high bar for our guests, but we're very excited about who we've got lined up for you all across the next few months. Um, guys, hi. Somehow it's not even a week since Antonio Conte was appointed Spurs manager, and he's probably taken us for as many competitive matches as he has training sessions, um, which probably accounts for the slightly up and down performances we've seen so far um, and leads me to my first question for us all this evening. Um, can I please get one thing you've enjoyed and one thing you very much not enjoyed about the Vitesse and Everton games, please? Um, Tom, you're up first. One thing you've enjoyed. What's your positive so far? At the Vitesse game, I mean, the whole thing was just chaos, wasn't it, really? Uh, well, one second we were 3-0 up, then it was 3-2, then three men had been sent off. To be honest, sat in this south stand, I just really enjoyed their goalkeeper being sent off. That was my like favourite moment of either Vitesse or Everton. There's something extremely satisfying about a goalkeeper being sent off. Like, and it was right in front of us. He came so far out of his goal and seemed to have just forgotten where where on the pitch he was. And yeah, it was nice to see some goals because, as we've previously discussed, we aren't scoring many. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I guess of those two games. Briefly being 3-0 up and witnessing the chaos of, oh, I forgot about the pitch invaders as well. One other thing that kind of relates to Conte, I enjoyed him being extremely animated and gesticulating on the sidelines 
throughout the Vitesse game because we watched Nuno and he was incredibly static and worried looking and didn't seem to be uh, conveying any kind of urgency uh, to the players. So it was really good to see a manager who seemed to care and, yeah, in that very Italian way, was just gesticulating for 90 minutes. Billy and I were sat next to each other for the Vitesse game and we were sat pretty near to the benches and it was very hard to keep your eyes off him and not feel like that there's this sort of rock star that is somehow like being planted in our stadium to look after this rabble of players. And I, I just can't remember someone with the sort of, even Mourinho, the sort of star wattage that he seems to possess is just unbelievable. I keep sort of just like finding myself kind of gazing at photos at him. <laughs> I'm just mooning over him. It's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. Um, Rosa, what's your, what's your positive? Yeah, my my positive and my negative is the same, really. It's goals and goals. <laughs> so, like Tom, it was just super fun to watch us score some goals and go 3-0 up and have a great time. And then, you know, to concede two wasn't so great. But that sort of feels more Spurs anyway, so I don't really mind. I'm not super stressed out about that. Um, and again... Romero, I feel like he sort of embodied the chaos as well. I think about eight minutes into the Vitesse game, I, I tweeted, I've already been given everything that I asked for in our Monday pod. And it was almost as if Romero heard me and was like, all right, you want aggression, you want intensity, you got it. I'm going to I'm gonna like go crazy and get myself sent off. It's like, okay, thank you. And now calm down, please. So it was really a case of, you know, be careful what you wish for, probably. But I'm fine with that, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll take what we're given right now in terms of entertainment. Billy, over to you, your, your positive. Yeah, and it, it, you did mention it earlier, and we did say to each other on Thursday night about this, like, rock star aura that you have. So that's what my positive is. It's like, I think we've needed something so much that's going to unite the fan base. And it's like an instant atomic bomb that has kind of made us... Um, totally behind the team, totally behind the manager. But it's just like this weird aura that he has of like being a winner and like I just hang off his every single word. So one of the positives is me is the interviews that he's given like before and after the games and before and after each game. Um, he said a really important quote, which I think totally sums up our club. And I think he's sort of delivering a few home truths. And I think for once, I think he's the kind of, he's saying the things which we thought maybe Jose was going to say about Levy, but he never actually did. Conte said... I think the team have got a really good vision off the pitch. It's now time we delivered one on the pitch. And I think if you could sum up our club over, since the Champions League final, that is it. Um, we've accelerated and hu made huge progress off the pitch and made huge regression on the pitch. Um, so I just think everything that he says in post-match interviews is incredible. He's saying the right things, and, but it's not like a hollow kind of thing. It's you, you know that this man's going to deliver. If we give him everything that he wants, he will deliver it. So my positive is just everything that he says, everything that he does, and really just everything about him. You know, it just it's just incredible. One other positive that I forgot to mention from the Vitesse game was getting to see Billy get his Italy flag out. We were in the South Stand, and I could see... Charlie had a particularly loud yellow jacket on, uh, Spurs jacket, uh, vintage. Obviously, Charlie's got all the all the gear, uh, so we could spot no Charlie idea. and Billy 
uh, sat next to each other. And when we were 3-0 up, I thought, oh, my God, Billy's going to have this flag out so often. I thought we were going to win like 6 or 7-0. <laughs> I mean, we literally but, also went for an Italian before the game, didn't we? We proper went for it with the Conte thing. Uh, I did, I did great. Arabiata. Yeah, great Italian, by the way. What's it called again in uh, in Bruce Grove? San Marco. San yeah. Marco. Shout out um, San Marco. That place is that's going to be a regular from now on. I think that is a great. If you want a great Italian in Tottenham, that's the one. I'm going to shout out Hugo Lloris as well, as I just feel like um, he needs a new contract immediately. I really hope that that's something Conte is insisting on in terms of just how I think his performances. I I can't remember. I mean, he was he was very good last season on on the whole. I thought, but this season he just seems to have taken it up a notch. I thought the saves he was making at for Test were fantastic at Everton. I mean, he very nearly put a, fin- a fingertip wrong um, with the penalty, but you know, it turns out he did actually get a glancing uh, touch of the ball, so that was fine. And I just think that I think we all now perhaps maybe it was after the All or Nothing documentary, and I think just the the actual leadership that we now appreciate that he does provide. Certainly I was always someone that maybe doubted, you know, his, his credentials as a leader, maybe just because he's a goalkeeper, et cetera. But I think he, he's, you know, he's someone that leads this squad and gives us something that others, I just don't think do. He, he needs a new contract for me as soon as possible. Um, so he's definitely my, he's definitely my plus, I would say. Is it also fair to say that Gallini hasn't exactly impressed so far? I think that's reasonable. I don't know if anyone else would agree, but I don't think he's... He's not done tons wrong, although I think you could argue maybe the Vitesse goal at theirs, he sort of let go through him a little bit. But he also doesn't strike me as like Hugo's successor, I would say. He doesn't carry that sort of... I think the the word aura is being thrown around willy nilly here, but he doesn't seem to carry that aura to me. Anyone else got any Galini thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I just I don't see it yet, to be honest. Um, I think it was an interesting move because he's played in all the cup games so far, um, and he was instantly dropped. Obviously, I guess that's just by default of Conte, you know, looking for his strongest team straight away to see what see what's what. But if he doesn't play another Conference League game, I'd be surprised. But I also wouldn't be disappointed because I, I just don't see it with him at the moment. I think he's got a lot to prove against literally one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, if we are serious about winning competitions, maybe we just need to play Lloris in all of our in all of them um, because that's what winners do at the end of the day. I think it's hard as well because it would be different if we had a better defence, but any goalkeeper is just going to be exposed so often. And if you're Hugo Lloris, you're, you're pretty much used to that over the last, <laughs> what is it's nearly 10 years right coming it's like eight years and over that time we've had a good defense for about three of those years so Larissa is sort of prepared for that and I think I don't I don't really see how anybody but the most sort of exceptional goalkeeper is going to be able to shine in those circumstances really I think that's a very fair point um I feel like we're segging perhaps into things that have annoyed you about the last couple of games Rosa do you want to kick us off on on the irritations well, no, I do have just one sort of slight, it's sort of a nice thing, which is that I genuinely do feel excited about watching Spurs games again. And I just think that's such a, that is a massive change. And even though I was ultimately disappointed by Everton, probably, maybe I would have taken a draw, you know, it would have been nice to see a goal, I guess. Um, 
it's nice to be excited and then disappointed as opposed to just completely dreading it and yet somehow also being disappointed. So, you know, baby steps, baby steps. I definitely felt troubled by my nerves in the morning of the game and it was something that felt a little alien because I feel like I've not quite had that um, anticipation before a match, perhaps since maybe the League Cup final. And yeah, that was it was odd. But also, like you say, Rosa, if you can't get excited about your football team, then you know, something's gone really wrong. So um, it is nice. It is nice. Staying with you, Rosa, what, what what did annoy you though? Yeah, with the Everton game, it was, well, I think we started really well and I was concerned, I think, that we would run out of steam, which I think we did really. And it got to that point where you just thought, okay, we're obviously, we're not going to score now, are we? And I think, the fitness is so obviously still a massive concern, isn't it? And I'm, and I mean, I was delighted to discover if this is, I don't know if this is true, that it, Conte like made that the team stay after the Vitesse game to like do some extra running. I hope that's true. And I hope he's made them run every single day since. Um, and that he has a boot camp planned for the international break. But it did just think, it did just look like this bunch of players are, are not going to be able to get over the line in 90 minutes. It was irritating to see how quickly we sort of dropped back into that. I think Conte is definitely going to be able to like drill that into them. But it was just disappointing to see it again so quickly, I think, after all the sort of noise and excitement of the past few days, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely felt, um, I, I certainly felt, slightly anticlimactic after the Everton game and a little bit like I'd just been at a week-long party and suddenly that party didn't quite deliver the sort of finale that I was hoping for. Um, It's been 227 minutes, which is almost four hours since Spurs had a shot on target in the Premier League and more than 5.25 hours since we scored a goal. I mean, we should be quite worried, right? I know the Conte, um, you know, the, the Conte sort of uptick in... Mood and everything is 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 a real thing and is massive. But how are we going to solve this, Billy? What what do you reckon? Okay, so that's going to bring me nicely onto my negative, um, and it's going to turn into a bit of a rant, I think. But I need to talk about GLC. I feel like my blood pressure slowly rising, even just by saying his name at the moment. Um, I think like I think the problem with our goals is like we have no creativity behind Kane and Son whatsoever. Um, I hope eventually Ndombele is going to be in that role and I would hope that he would have came on a bit earlier in that game. I think he needed it. Um, But Gio came on and there is the most incredible video going around. I don't know if you guys have seen it of this corner and this corner has now been living rent-free in my head ever since I've seen this video. So it's in like three parts. So the first part is he puts, this is in the 94th minute against 10 men, by the way, just for a little bit of context. The first part is he puts the ball down and the ball literally blows away in the wind. So it's like as if it's like a Sunday league game on the marshes. That's that's bad enough in itself. The second part is we're in the 94th minute. He does a fake dummy corner. Grow up. Come on. We're in the 94th minute here. Grow up. The third part is possibly the worst corner I have ever seen at Tottenham. And bear in mind, I've seen five or six years of Christian Eriksen taking corners. It's just like, I can't believe how bad that corner was. And it kind of sums up everything that Gio has been over the last few games for us and I know there's a good player in there somewhere and I really hope Conte can bring it out but honestly that corner I don't think I'm ever going to be able to sort of think about it for, for, for the next few days but that's definitely my negative and I, I in answer to the wider question I think we've got to get some way of having Undombele and Gio actually providing some service to Kane and Son because Kane and Son look absolutely starved at the moment of service and I think Kane's down 
downward form is like widely reported but I think Son is also getting pretty bad patch at the moment like, he just doesn't look anywhere near the player that he was uh, at the end of last season at the beginning of even the, the beginning of this season when he's kind of carried us at times but I think we really really have to sort that creativity issue out and it might be that we're just gonna have to muddle through until January because it's an area that we really do need to address in the transfer window I think yeah just to just to jump on that because I, I totally totally agree and that's just been something we've missed Ericsson so badly um since before he left, really, in terms of his form at the end. But do you think, like, we do need creativity. Is there any way, do you think, that we can just bypass it for a little bit by just getting them to get the ball quicker to each other? Is sort of hoping that Ndombele is going to come good. I just, I don't know, really. I mean, I kind of hope that this is where wing-backs come into it. And, you know, there was a nice moment um, well, there was a couple of nice moments. I think Regulon crossed for uh, Royale for a header that Royale sort of spooned over the bar off his kind of shoulder and should have done better with. Again, I thought Royale was one of our better players and is really settling into the team nicely. So he's a definite positive for me. But there was that. And then there was the Kane cross for Regulon right at the end of the first half where, you know, I think that's brilliant in the sense that's exactly where you want your wing backs to be sort of causing problems and making those runs into the box and in the first instance sort of creating chances for each other so I would hope that that is going to be a route to goal for us is via sort of effective wing back play that might sort of mean that we don't perhaps need to lean on sort of number 10 as much but I mean I'm with Billy I think and Dumbele needs to be worked into the team as much as, as as quickly as possible and I think this you know this two-week sort of boot camp that Rosa mentioned that hopefully Conte has set up. Yeah, I do. I do think that um, Rosa's right. I do think we can kind of bypass it with the fact that we're actually going to have um, patterns of play now, which I'm sure they're going to work on over the last two weeks, the next two weeks, sorry. Um, I think you can kind of see it in very, very early formations at the moment. There are some actual set patterns of play that we were sort of trying against with Tess and Everton. This guy had like two days of training to do this. So I think you will start to see some actual like pattern in our attacking play, which is something we've been starved of for the last uh, Jose and Nuno are both managers that just don't do that. Even in the Vitesse and Everton games, you can see that there is a bit more directness and sharpness to our passing. So um, as I know you've been saying yourself, Charlie, it's kind of the green shoots that are starting to get there. And now it's hopefully time that they flower. Tom, um, talk to me about the things annoying you. Uh, as Billy just said, that corner that was sent round and was doing the rounds on, on social media was incredible. And also, stupidly, I watched then watched Match of the Day 2 soon after and saw Jared Bowen's excellent corner for West Ham. Uh, and their set pieces uh, and, and, you know, just the general football at the moment has been incredible. Uh, in terms of other moments that live and rent free in my head, the second Vitez goal, when Lucas and Royal were right in front of us uh, on the right-hand side, just passing it around. Lucas, who had scored a fairly brilliant goal not long before, just passed it to the Vitesse player. It was absolutely disgusting. Was that the fucking around in the corner? Yeah. Was that the, yes. Just, what are you doing? Stop it. You're not Barcelona 2015. You're barely even Barcelona now. Oh, just maddening. It. Just get it out. Like the whole of the South Stand was screaming, just clear it. And Lucas then passes it to the Vitesse player. And then like just in, in generally the football, after that Everton game, I know Conte's only just come in. I don't expect him to have changed anything yet at all, really. But 
I was just thinking back to a year ago and the form that Son and Kane were in then. The upsetting thing is that, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Kane, but as Billy says, Son's not in great form either. And there's players like Hoybier as well. He's potentially in the worst form since he joined the club. So um, fingers crossed they come back looking better after the international break. Yeah, and sorry, just to round off, talking of rent-free moments, there is a Twitter account going around at the moment, which I don't know, I'm sure you guys have probably seen, called Stop That GLC. Um, and it's literally just at Stop That GLC. And it is the most incredible account. It just like clips, um, little clips from the Celso's games recently. And if you want to spend an hour sort of really hating yourself and hating Tottenham, I recommend you just have a scroll through those videos because it is absolutely infuriating. Am I going to present a case for Geo? Maybe, maybe I am. It might be because I mean, I've got I've got a jersey with his name on the back, which isn't saying that much because I've got loads of jerseys with terrible Spurs players on the back. But I've, I mean, I I do think there's a player there. I think that a hill of mine is still that he was our best player in the second half of. 2019-20 when Mourinho first took over I you know I feel like he was brilliant playing in central midfield with you know abysmal partners at that point he got injured just before Covid broke out I think couldn't rehab properly during the first lockdown came back and played through injury to help us qualify for the Europa and I just don't think it's ever quite been the same in terms of picking up niggly injury after niggly injury, the international sort of debacle for Argentina's really hurt him. And also just never really finding a position. All of this, of course, you know, can be put down to him. But I also think that, you know, and I think we've touched on this in previous podcasts, I I am looking forward to seeing what Conte can do with him because I think there is, there is a player there. I think he's, he's in a real trough at the moment in terms of his form and, you know, that corner sort of summed everything up as I think the sort of attempts against Vitesse when he was put through on goal right at the end and managed to somehow blast it at the keeper's face instead of any of the gaping goal. But, you know, at the moment it feels like Lo Celso is more a sort of Conte guy than, than Dombele. So perhaps he does get a chance to play into form. Um, Tom? Also, sorry to go back to the corner clip again. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after watching that, as well as watching Jared Bowen's excellent corner for uh, West Ham, I opened Instagram and there was Lasso posting his picture of him getting on the plane to go off with Argentina. And I just thought, great, I'm sure you'll get another Man of the Match award for Argentina. And who knows what, what you'll do when you come back for us. Uh, someone pointed out, actually, I know you can't really read too much into these things, especially if you've seen all the stuff about uh, Bruno Fernandes as a social media manager or whatever this weekend. But um, on his Instagram, there is like barely a single Tottenham picture at all. They're like all Argentina. It's quite quite surreal, really. Um, I know you, you can't really read too much into that, but maybe maybe you can. He um, He's basically the new Lamella, I feel like, in terms of a sort of culture war seems to be breaking out over him um, sort of since the Everton game on social media. And he, he does seem to be... Someone you're either with or violently against. Boys, boys, I'm on Instagram live. Boys, oi, come on. Okay, I think that covers that covers our feelings around Everton and Vitesse. Sort of quietly confident there's something exciting going on. We're all obsessed with Antonio Conte. Good times are coming, we think. I also feel like perhaps we need to stage an intervention and not let Tom watch West Ham for a while because I I worry about you, my friend. I feel like this is... You're going to get some sort of like heart attack or something from just Charlie, being too wound up. 
Charlie, they're third in the league <laughs> and I'm not coping well with it. Again, I was <laughs> that also related when I was thinking of Son and Kane a year ago. I was like, wow, they were on incredible form and now the world has turned upside down and West Ham are brilliant. I do worry See that how quickly everything... it can all go wrong though. Just think about just think about that. Think about that. In my darker moments, I do worry that um everything began to go wrong for us and go right for West Ham when Lanzini put in that. 25 yarder for three all and it feels like we've both just had a sort of sliding doors moment i'm not even going to dwell on that because it's too miserable now we asked on twitter um for some predictions for the rest of this calendar year obviously it's an awful lot of football to be played before we um reach what i think most of us see as kind of salvation in the shape of a january transfer window and perhaps some some more conte friendly signings can arrive um but we wanted to know some predictions from from you guys and obviously some predictions from us too. I'm going to run through some uh, some listener predictions. Um, Kyle Calderelli um, at KAC443 says, um, there will be at least three players that we'll never hear from or see again after the final uh, Conference League group stage match against Wren. Um, that feels fair, I reckon. In this. Although maybe, as we're saying, we might just go full strength. We'll probably have to against Wren that's shaping up to be a sort of straight shootout for first in the group or maybe even you know might have to win to finish second if we don't get a good result against Moura um, David James uh, I don't think it's the David James the veteran goalkeeper um, at Kerno Dish says dare I say it but not a lot will change this season I think we've seen enough in the last two games that the quality we have has gone tactics need improving but so does the mentality and psychology of the players minds and that could be the toughest challenge Conte and his team will have. Um, fairly sobering thought there from David and probably quite right. Um, Sam Goldman at Sam Goldman 91 says, stick with 3-4-3. Davis continues to play every game simply because he has a left foot. Romero will have one red card in the Premier League. Hoybier and Lucas finally get dropped. Finish 2021 20, around seventh, but a few points off top four. Um, very nicely specific predictions there from Sam. Thank you for those. Um, Jack at LemonJack underscore says Spurs build form and break into the top four before Christmas, lose to West Ham in the League Cup. Conte's Christmas is ruined. Conte sick of Spurs after two months. Conversations about Spurs DNA are held. Delhi is lined up for sale come January. Dirty is forced as a left wing back. Regulon banished. Quite a lot going on there with everyone's predictions. Um, Tom, give us one. What's, what's your prediction for the rest of 2021 for Spurs? I'm not usually someone who tries to manifest things, but I'm going to say this in the hope that it happens. I think we need to, or I hope we're going to go on a run with those fixtures up to what Liverpool and West Ham, because as uh, people keep saying, our run of fixtures now is pretty kind, really. We've then got Liverpool and West Ham, and then pretty soon into January, we have Arsenal and Chelsea on consecutive Sundays, which is already terrifying me. So, yeah, we're going to go on a run and look good, at least leading up to uh, Liverpool and then West Ham. And yes, of course, we'll lose to West Ham in the Carabao. <laughs> manifest more, Tom. We need to manifest <laughs> that. I, I think we all need that for you. Um, Rosa, predictions, please. Okay, well, I'm going to do whatever the opposite of manifest is because I've just got one very simple prediction, which is that we're going to lose to a Nuno Espirito Santo managed team. <laughs> <laughs> it's just inevitable. 
I mean, I guess he could. I, I haven't seen his name linked yet with Norwich. That felt like maybe one for him, but they seem like they're going to get Lampard. But um, it's coming maybe for us. It, it's coming for us one way or the other. Maybe our fears about losing to Mourinho's Roma in the Conference League might transfer into losing to a Nuno managed Conference League opposition, and he'll get his revenge by being us in the final. Why am I even saying these things? Um, oh, what's worse? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, Billy, give us a prediction, please. Uh, firstly, I just want to say thank you to Brentford for losing to Norwich because otherwise that would have definitely been my prediction that we were the first team that lost to Norwich this season and got them in a couple of weeks. Secondly, I just want to say in my wildest predictions, uh, I know we've been thinking about these for a couple of days now, I never would have thought we would have actually seen Matt Doherty at left wing back playing for Tottenham under Conte. That was, you know, you could never predict that. That was insane. Um, but here we are. And my prediction actually <clears throat> is I think that Emerson is going to be a huge player for Conte. Um, I think the early signs are really good. I think he's game for game getting better and better. And he, you know, in a system that kind of relies on wing backs, um, I think he's going to really thrive under Conte. I think he's going to be one of the players which Conte likes the most. Um, and on the in tandem with that prediction, I also think we're going to not see Lucas Moura in the team very much soon. Um, I just, I th- you know, I love Lucas like we all do. He's a, he's an incredible incredible player for our club an incredible character to have but I just don't see how he fits into a Conte team so I think we're going to see a lot of Emerson and not very much of Lucas Moura I think so too I, I tweeted as such about Lucas my um, my left field prediction is Ryan Sessegnon related I feel like he has got an enormous chance now and I know that he's one of those players that we talk about in quite um, abstract terms as it doesn't really feel like he's ever actually done anything as a real life human being football player for Tottenham. But if he's not going to do something now where a wing back system is being introduced, you know, if Ben Davies is now uh, a centre back, which I think it seems as, you know, it seems as though he's going to be, I certainly can't see him marauding up and down a wing as a Conte wing back without suffering some sort of heart issues. Um, then basically Sessegnon is the de facto sort of backup to Regulon at least, unless, of course, Matt Doherty continues to sort of masquerade as a left wing back. So I, I, I think that he might just be someone that Conte decides, right, my boy, I'm going to shape you into what I need. He is someone that seems to have a lot of raw talent, raw abilities. He's got the sort of physicality to play that role. Um and God, wouldn't that just be nice if Ryan Sessegnon actually became a, a real-life footballer again? And, I mean, I was I was so excited when we signed him. I thought he was, you know, we were going back to those days where we were hoovering up all brilliant young young talent and he was going to fit in perfectly and be Danny Rose's successor and all of this good stuff. But, yeah, that, that's mine. Rose, are you about to disagree with me? Um, I was just going to say, you know, you say that about Ben Davies, but he did, in fact, um, put on quite a good chance he, like, he had like the best chance of the game I believe <laughs> on Sunday it was like nearly a chance for him nearly a chance for Kane but um, I don't want to oppose your wishes so let's all go ahead and manifest Ryan Sessegnon I'm here for that um, I thought for a split second I was going to get away with saying something about Ben Davis before the Ben Davis police uh, in the shape of Rosa came out in force but we don't let anything go <laughs> Any other wild calls? Um, I know everyone keeps saying, the, the question that keeps being asked is, who's Tottenham's Victor Moses going to be? Victor Moses' name has never been spoken by, by more people, certainly in North London. Um, 
my one, Sessegnon. Anyone else got a sort of left field player, they reckon, after a couple of games? You feel like there might be a space for them to exploit or there might be an opportunity, Billy? Uh, I kind of, maybe, I've seen a couple of shouts for Stephen Bugwine going as like a wing back, but I think the fact that as the news came out today, he's just been called up for international duty, like sums up his career at Tottenham. It's just, it's not going to happen, is it? Like, it would have been perfect for him to have two weeks under Conte um, and a player that, as we mentioned before on this podcast, like he is so bereft of any confidence at the moment. It would have been great for him. And the fact that he's just had a last minute call to Holland kind of just sort of sums up the whole thing. So I, I don't think it's going to be Stephen Bergwijn to answer that question in reverse. I'm reeling at that. Like how many <laughs> how many injuries have Holland got? I'm sorry. I'll read out the list of senior players that are around to work with Conte. Um, so it's Galini, Brandon Austin, Tanganga. Tanganga could be one. Um, Eric Dyer, Sergio Regulon. Ryan Sessegnon, who I believe is just about to start work outside, I read today, which is a positive, I guess, that he's able to go outside. Um, Harry Winks, Deli Alley, Tongi Ndombele, no longer Stephen Bergwijn, Lucas Mora, and Brian Hill. Brian Hill, I feel like we started this podcast a few weeks ago. It was basically a sort of Brian Hill appreciation society or a sort of burgeoning one. He's, his name has not been mentioned since Conte arrived at all, I feel. I mean, I think the plus for him is that he doesn't seem like someone who can only play on a wing. And if we are basically going to sort of, you know, vanquish wingers from how we play, then that would have been a bit scary for him. And uh, I guess the person that signed him as well. But he does seem like someone that can play in a more central role. I mean, maybe he's an answer for some creativity. Anyone got any Brian Hill hope, Rosa? I just... Because it's that sort of weird thing, isn't it, where you don't, where we didn't hear anything about him, but we seem to have heard loads about Delhi. And I really, I really felt for Ash in the moment where that there was like a, a bit from like Conte's press conference where he started talking about Delhi Alley, and it was like, oh, this is going to be his fifth chance. But is it just a question of those are the questions that the managers get asked? Do you know what I mean? Like, do they are you inevitably going to be asked about Delhi Alley, and everyone has already forgotten that Brian Hill exists? It was funny that the sports reporters immediately went for the Deli Alley line. <laughs> and like, as Ash would be here saying, how many chances does he need? How many different managers does he need to play under um, and play badly under before we give up on him? Sorry, Deli. It was quite a sorry sight, actually, um, being in the West Stand quite low down on Thursday night, watching poor Deli warming up for the entire second half. And it felt like every single player on the bench got on apart from him. Delhi was literally the the player that was um, was warming up the most, as as you mentioned, the entire second half. And Ndombele did not warm up once. He got the call and came on instantly, having not even warmed up. Like it was just so funny to see that. Like Delhi just sort of <clears throat> absolutely sprinting for like forty five minutes on the sideline. Tangi just sat down the whole time. Gets the call from Conte to come on. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, I I've kind of wondered. I wonder if they just can't take any risk of Tongi getting a bit knackered by doing any <laughs> gentle jogging. So it's just best to just save them for the actual. But, the that actual was day, day one of Conte's learning. Do not do not get this guy to warm up. <laughs> just, just have him sit down, have a little rest. Of course, I love turkey. There was another draw for Spurs on Sunday. Um, this one was a lot more um, exciting and a lot more 
um, of a positive result, really. Spurs women took on Manchester United. We went 1-0 down. And then in the 95th minute, I believe, uh, Rhea Percival scored basically from almost the halfway line with an extraordinary free kick right at the end. Um, Rosa, how did we get on? Yeah, that free kick was pretty reminiscent of, I think, was it Suns against Wolves? where it just sort of floated over everybody's heads and somehow ended up in the back of the net. It was great, though, um, because up until that point, I think we played pretty well, pretty well organised. I think that team seems to be lacking a bit of firepower, really. So they didn't have a lot of um, clear chances. My girl Jessica Naz had a good effort. Um, but it was it was almost like the classic story of Spurs games against Manchester United where we play really well and yet somehow are 1-0 down by um, the end of the first half. So it felt a bit, uh, here we go again, same old story. But then, yeah, the thrilling equaliser. Um, yeah, also just to say that the women's record against Manchester United is almost as bad as the men's. I think they've, they've lost like their last six games. But... We somehow did it, you know, in um, fashion reminiscent of the good old days with uh, Clint Dempsey scoring in the snow at White Hart Lane. Um, and now we are up in third, which is a Champions League place. So good times for the women again. Um, I'm, the next game, I hate to tell you all, is the North London derby, though. Now, I'm fairly certain that I'm right when I say this, but we have to play Arsenal every two and a half weeks or something. And... Unfortunately, we are still seemingly a few sort of levels below Arsenal, so seem to get beaten four, five, six nil every time we play them. It's ridiculous. Why do we have to play them so much? Because I don't know. We all did something terrible in a previous life. Essentially, <laughs> why are we all here? <laughs> um, it is that. Unfortunately, Spurs women are sort of stuck living that kind of late nineties, early two thousands um, sort of hell with Arsenal, where yeah. Every time we play them, it, it seems to be at least four goals we lose by. You never know. This could be the one. I want to shout out one moment from the uh, from the women's game on, on Sunday. You guys all alerted me to the fact that we had just equalised. I just got back um, from taking my daughter to football practice and turned on, the, turned on BBC Two and assumed, because you guys had all said it was the 95th minute, that I was just going to get to watch a... Um, to watch a replay of the goal and see everyone really happy and see some highlights at the end. But instead I found United sort of bearing down on our goal, <laughs> nearly, nearly grabbing a sort of 96 minute winner, which just put awful memories of, remember the Ajax semi-final where we obviously Lucas scored, but then inexplicably there was still more time. And I think this sort of gets lost a bit where we all just, you know, think back and, you know, it's very much, oh, Lucas scored with the last kick of the game. Oh, no, it wasn't the last kick of the game because Eric, Eric Lamella was doing stepovers in his own box and nearly handing Ajax an opportunity to score another one. And I had I had similar sort of uh, vibes from that. So it's good to see that the sort of... Very dear, this, dear, similar this, stakes. This, yeah, the similar <laughs> stakes. You know, this kind of famous DNA that we love to talk about runs through... Um, both our both our professional teams, so that's good. Well, fingers crossed, we get something a bit more positive against Arsenal. I'm really excited, by the way. We keep talking about which game we're all going to go for a team outing to go and see. So um, I'm not going to. I don't think I can face an Arsenal one. I'd like to go and see us win. So Rosa, you yeah, can no, let's find not, us on. Let's not do that. Yeah, let's do something. Yeah, more fun. I think just just one other thing is it does seem to be like a really nice group of players with a great coach, and they do seem to be giving it the whole kind of 
we fought till the end in that way that I do actually believe sort of slightly reminiscent of early Pochettino which is a nice vibe I think I only caught the first half on Sunday um, because my five-year-old woke up the 18 month old while he was meant to be napping which was really helpful thanks uh, but uh, it seemed like we really, Man United's goal came against the run of play and that we actually we were really in control of that game and keeping our shape really well and kind of containing them. And I, li- I really liked what I saw of Williams, obviously, and Kaya Simon as well. She looked really great. And actually, my sort of time hop thing came up the other day and two years ago, I saw Spurs women play Crystal Palace when they were still in the championship. So seeing them third now in the Premier League is really great. It was uh, It's amazing to see that progression in just two years. I'm really excited. And I think the fact that we do seem to be so well coached and, and Rianne Skinner's come in and you know established something that the players are buying into. And as Rosa says, a really likeable group. We seem to have invested very wisely in good characters and yeah, just feels like we need one of the strikers we do have because, Tom, you mentioned Kai Simon. I know she's a striker, an Aussie striker. One of those guys needs to needs to step up and start scoring a few goals and then it feels like we'll really be away. Um, so, fingers crossed. Exciting times. Um, right, we're going to move on to uh, our culture picks, as we always end on. Yes, I'm excited for Beyonce's next album. Are you mad? Billy. Your culture pick for this week, what have you been enjoying? Okay, Rosa is going to hate me, but I've kind of got three. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go for three, but I'm going to do them really briefly. So I'm going to go for a film, uh, which I saw last week, which is Last Night in Soho, which is directed by Edgar Wright. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about it because if you haven't seen it, like the more you learn about the film, the more it will spoil it. So I'm not going to talk to anything about the plot, but there are two incredible performances in it from Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, and it's one of those films that kind of, it's really good to experience like it's visually amazing um i think it kind of unravels a little bit in the third act um i think the more you think about the kind of plot holes in it um the worse it appears but the actual experience of watching it was incredible um so last night in soho uh, i'm also going to go for a tv show which is dexter which i haven't actually seen yet um but dexter is so beloved to me the first four seasons i think are up there with anything and then the way that it ended was absolutely atrocious and I, I'm still not over it to this day. Um, so the fact that I think they're pretty much retcon in the ending and sort of doing a whole new thing, which uh, is very, very welcome because I will never, ever forgive them for how badly that series ended. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that tonight, which is The Return of Dexter. And then there is a house producer called Jaden Thompson. Just want to shout him out because he's just started a new record label called Midnight, Parada- Midnight Parade. Sorry, um, And it's first tune on there which he's released is called move your body and it's like the most infectious house tune i've heard for a while so i'm going to go for last night in soho dexter and jaden thompson move your body and hopefully rose won't kill me because that was quite brief a feast of culture uh you can't you can't hate on billy for spoiling us with all that rosa um what, what's yours rosa um no i don't hate on billy at all actually that was really interesting and it was good to hear about um last night in soho which i've heard sort of mixed things about mm. so but what I, what I do want to know about that is how long was that movie yes see that is a major plus point let me just double check I, I know that it's definitely not a long film it's under two hours so there you go under two hours that's it in the sweet spot a winner already minutes and two hours so <laughs> any any film between 90 minutes and two hours is an instant plus 10 percent on Rotten Tomatoes I think that's I feel it. Like it's all, it already one star we've got um, a few yeah, fledgling so- campaigns here on our podcast and I feel like ensuring that all uh all motion pictures are kept uh 
maybe 90 minutes is a bit strict, but certainly under two hours, we're not interested. Otherwise, sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah, so my culture pick this week is, um, so last week I recommended opera and my partner Ollie told me I was being really pretentious. So I'm just going to double down on that this week and talk about a couple of weeks ago, I went back to the theatre for the first time since way, way, way before the pandemic, before I had my second kid. Um, and I went to the Young Vic to see Hamlet with the magnificent Kush Jumbo, who I'm a massive, massive fan of. I love her. I love her in The, in the Good Wife. I love her in The Good Fight. She's just a spectacular actor and a very cool local girl, really. She grew up in Lewisham, which is not too far from me. And I was so excited to get tickets. And then I went on a Friday night and the sort of reality of having to sit through Shakespeare on a Friday night hit me. But actually, she was amazing. And obviously, most of it is on her. And it was an incredible performance, very lively, very physical, very pacey. I've seen Hamlet a lot. I've never seen it. I've never seen a sort of pacey production ever. It's always pretty stately. They have filmed it. So I think you could watch it live. I think that's done now. But I imagine at some point that those will be available to view. So honestly, you know, Shakespeare's not for everyone, but Kush Jumbo says that it is. So, you know, take it from her if you can't take it from me. It was amazing. She's spectacular. Or just watch her and other things. So this is both a, you know, theatre recommendation and a Kush Jumbo appreciation moment for me. We can get behind that. Um, Tom, what's yours? Well, I was trying to think of some new music I'm enjoying, but uh, I'm just peak centrist dad. I just got the Kid A Amnesiac reissue on vinyl. So I've mostly just been <laughs> listening to two 20-year-old albums, uh, which I, I would recommend, guys. If you haven't heard of Kid A, it's worth a listen. Amnesiac, less so. But I'm going to do the exact opposite of Rosa. Last week, I talked about the Peggy Guggenheim Gallery in Venice. So uh, today, I'm going to talk about the silliest thing on TV, which is Stathlet's Flat. It is, like, honestly so stupid and slapstick. It's probably more silly than, like, Mrs. Brown's Boys. But... It's also like so hilarious and weirdly genius. Yeah, Staff Let's Flats, it's about Staff, who is a Latin agent played by Jamie Dimitriou, who also um, writes and created the show. He is Greek and can kind of barely speak English. His sister is also ridiculous, Sophie, uh, who is played by his real life sister, Tash Dimitriou, who's very good in lots of different things. Uh, and it's just so silly. Like it's properly, there are just stupid sight gags. And yeah, there's kind of no depth to it, but it's so, so funny. Um, the third series has just, has just come out. It's got um, Charlie Cooper from This Country in it, Nick Mohammed, older Nate from Ted Lasso, and also, oh, Julia Davis is also in it. So they've suddenly upped the budget somehow. But if you haven't watched it, start at the beginning and just kind of lock into the very stupid, silly characters and you'll fall for it, I think. There's a scene in an early episode in the first series where um, he's trying to get a bird out of a flat, which um, I think is the closest I've come to actually wetting myself as an adult. Um, just Tom's right. I don't think I've seen or enjoyed sort of slapstick comedy so much since I was a teenager. And it's just something about it is so offbeat the slapstick and sort of comes at you in quite an unexpected way it's just genius 
It's really bizarre. And also, I would say so many comedies now, like something like People Just Do Nothing. I love People Just Do Nothing. But you can basically watch it and go, that's a bit from The Office and that's a bit from Alan Partridge. Whereas Staffleck's Flats is just so kind of slapstick and basic that they're really, they're not, it's so different to anything else on TV. One of the more recent episodes, he's just, he jumps into a canal for no apparent reason. He kind of thinks it's for charity. Someone's videoing it on their phone, but they're not videoing it. And it's just so, so funny. Like you'll be crying with laughter, honestly. It's on all four, if I didn't say that. Um, we're watching it at the minute and we were also watching um, a show on the BBC called Show Trial, which sort of is similarly silly to stuff Let, Let's Flats, but in a very different way in that it's one of those very glossy BBC um, sort of crime dramas that where the script is a bit ridiculous and it's all a little bit implausible. You've seen it all before and yet you find yourself sort of gobbling up three episodes in a night when you know that your sort of toddler is going to be getting you up at six in the morning and you should really be asleep. Um, it's one of those sort of slightly self-indulgent watches where you know that you're not getting much sort of cultural edification from it, but actually just sometimes you need a really glossy, silly crime drama with a big budget, some actually very good performances. Um but you know that you're never going to think about it ever again. I feel like we've got so much like prestige TV now that actually occasionally something, you know, it's the old, sometimes you need a McDonald's, not a steak, that kind of thing. That's been, that's been that for us. Um, I also want to recommend an album that's out this Friday, um, Friday the 12th um, of November by John Hopkins, um, Music for Psychedelic Therapy, which I don't know if anyone uses the app Calm, um the sort of you know meditation sleep stories thing they have a lot of music on there which feels like slightly budget versions of this this feels like just the most like high-end kind of like de-stress music i've ever heard you know when you go to like a spa and it's all the sort of rainforests dripping water and crashing waves it's very um it's very atmospheric like that but just absolutely gorgeous and proper bliss me out today whether i was a little bit kind of too blissed out and couldn't really function for about an hour and needed to get back into the room um so two ends of the spectrum there um right that concludes um episode five of hometown glory thank you all very much um rosa tom billy that was a lot of fun as ever i hope everyone enjoys the international break um we'll be back next week so don't panic if anyone was even thinking about panicking um, we will see you next time. Billy, see us out, please. Up the Spurs. Am I going to collab with Peppa Pig? No. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.